Welcome to the Westminster Effects Doxology Podcast, where we explore popular practices, songs, and ideas in the modern church world in the light of Sola Scriptura and Toto Scriptura. I'm Cody Fields, president of the Nosminster family of guitar effects. You can check us out and buy guitar pedals at westminstereffects.com. You can join in the discussion on the Westminster Effects Doxology Podcast Lounge on Facebook. John Ross, uh, Augsburgian Christian and occasional sexy boat captain, is not joining us this week, but in person, uh, as usual. Bradley Cox. Um, that's all I got. <laughs> that's all you got. Just just Bradley. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Never captain the ship. Not Never. sexy. <laughs> Not Osbergian. But greatly appreciative for John Ross. And here I am. And his uh, illustrative titles. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, church this week. Um, I wasn't there. You weren't here. Well, yeah. Where were you? Yeah, so we went to the mountains. Uh, it, there, we went to the state park called Smithgall Woods. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have these amazing, amazing cabins. It's in northeast Georgia, near kind of near Helen, um, for my mom's seventieth birthday. So, oh, uh, you were telling me about that. Yeah, a good number of my family were there, and we we built fires and fished <laughs> in a wonderful one of the top trout streams in the state really? of Georgia. Yes, uh, it's a beautiful hike there with a. You know, nice waterfall payoff at the end. Um, it's a beautiful place. I mean, these cabins are just ridiculous. Uh, yeah. The river practically runs underneath the deck of these oh, cabins. Oh, that's nuts. And um, it, it literally is one of the best trout streams in the state of Georgia. And uh, and you can literally fish off of the deck. <laughs> you could. Yeah, you could. You could fish <laughs> off the deck. You could fish. And it's just, you know, there's tons of places to fish off up and down the river. And I... I'm not much of a fisherman in general. I like yeah. doing it, but yeah. um, man, that's a uh, that's a great that's a great spot. We had a good time. I haven't been fishing since uh, that life group that, where, where we got the guys in our life group on a trip to north of Myrtle Beach, and mm. we almost sent Keith overboard when we hit a wave, and <laughs> nobody told him that it was coming, and he went parallel mm. <laughs> with the boat. He was he was pretty mad at us. <laughs> we didn't tell him. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, here at Res, uh, one of our elders, Andy Long, preached, mm-hmm. did a great job. Uh, somewhere in Ephesians four, we're we're recording this on a Wednesday as opposed to a Monday, so it's not nearly as, <laughs> not fresh. as fresh. Um, since people do like to hear what went wrong, we did have plenty go wrong on the music side. <laughs> really? Yeah, it was actually pretty funny. So we were playing Champion. And that little solo-y part in the bridge, Yep. my guitar just completely cut out. What happened? And I was like, wait, what's going on? And I'm like fiddling with stuff. And eventually I just find one of my pedals, somehow the power part had come unplugged. Oh, and it's man. a instead of being true bypass, where if it's not on, it just passes everything through, yep. it's a buffered bypass. Hmm. So it had no power, so nothing was passing through it. And that's like the best part of the song. <laughs> right? I mean, I, I and musically I'm, speaking, it's the best part of the sure, song. Sure, sure, sure. Right. And you, you've always loved that part. I love that solo. Um, and we got about two measures of it. <laughs> And Man, then, and then, uh, Aaron had <laughs> this hap where he ended up playing the second song without ears on bass, and he hit a whole note dinger. <laughs> I was talking to him after the service. He's like, "Yeah, I was pretty sure. I, I'm pretty sure I was on the six. Oh my, of goodness. that chord." <laughs> 
<laughs> Man, I go away for one week and everything fall apart. everything falls apart. You can take a week off. You just have to be here for it for everything go. to run there smoothly. That's true. Which but, is what happened the week before. Exactly. But uh, but otherwise, I mean, other than those two mishaps, we everything went fine, and I actually felt pretty good about everything. You know, I didn't have the uh, the flubs that I did the week before with the pause on mm-hmm. great things, and then screwing up the start of Unstoppable God and all that kind of stuff. But. Uh, anyway, <laughs> it happens. It, it does. It does. And at Res, it happens frequently, mm. and we laugh about it. Yeah, you gotta <laughs> laugh at yourself, man. Yeah. Uh, which kind of gets into uh, into our topic this week. We had a uh, an Inquisition question that I thought was pretty interesting. Uh, we'll leave it anonymous just in case. Uh, but the question is, how do you create? A culture of excellence in a church where no one is really concerned with excellence, uh, which I get. Like it's it's really easy to get kind of into a funk. It's it's easy to kind of get get really complacent, whether it's your musical skills or your preaching skills or mm-hmm. or what have you. Um, but at the same time, if you care a whole lot. And the other people don't really care that much. That can be really frustrating. So there's a lot of angles that we can kind of take with this, right? Totally. Um, you know, I, I, my advice to this person would depend on what position they're in in the right. church. I mean, I, I don't know if they are, have taken over as the leader of the mm-hmm. worship team. Um I believe he is in some form of leadership in this church. Okay. So if he's in leadership um, and there's not a culture of excellence, um, you know, I think the the first thing is just you've got to go at excellence yourself and set the standard. Generally speaking, people rise to the bar when the bar's raised. Right. Um, It's kind of like... you know, not to mix subjects too much, but it's kind of like economics where, you know, the, a rising tide raises all of the boats. Right. You know, you know, I don't care if uh, Elon Musk is making a billion dollars more this year, you know, because if he's making a billion dollars more, I'm probably more okay. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know? Exactly. Um, and I, I think you have to define, let's back up even further. You have to yes. define what excellence is. You know, yep. excellence is not necessarily having the best or being the best, but mm-hmm. it's doing the best with what you have. Yep, exactly. You know, it's giving your best effort. And um, we're, we're not advocating a, uh, a super performance-driven turning mm. turning your church into Coldplay in a TED Talk <laughs> kind of thing. No. Uh, we're not opposed to lights or hazers and lasers or what have you. We, we don't really have much of that at all. Mm-hmm. We have some theatrical-type lighting to kind of set a mood. Right. But, but other than that, we don't have, uh, I almost said smog machines like John said last week. Smog uh, <laughs> This isn't Los Angeles. Um, but at the same time, like if you use those, fine, whatever. But what we're talking about is really the overall attitude it's absolutely of everything. About Excellence is attitude. Um, excellence is effort. Excellence is passion. Excellence is hard work. It's not... It's not hitting every note. Right. It's not, you know, um, avoiding ever accidentally unplugging a guitar pedal or yeah. something to that yeah. effect. Or and, hitting I, a, you know, and I hadn't stepped on it recently, so I, I literally don't know how it came unplugged, you know? So yeah. it's, it's, that's like 
accidents happen. Yeah. Um, I yeah. think you, I think you have to define it and, and I think you have to, um, you have to define it and then you have to, um, demonstrate it yep. and you demonstrate it by your own effort and you call people to that standard. Um, you also have to determine the capacity of the people you're working with. Mm-hmm. And, you know, sometimes I think it's possible to expect too much mm-hmm. of people. You, you, I've always tried to push people beyond their abilities, what yeah. they think their ability, where the ceiling of their ability. Nearly everyone has more capacity than they think. That's right. A, a good physical trainer mm-hmm. will always tell you to do one more rep. Keep going, keep yep. going, keep going, because where you think you're at failure, you're really not. And mm-hmm. so I've always tried to push people um, to get better, do better. Uh, try harder, try things they they might not otherwise you know have tried if I hadn't pushed them. Yep. And I'm talking specifically musically here because I've right. I've led so many worship teams. Uh, but at the same time, I don't want people to feel like that there's not margin for error, that there's not room to fail in the trying. I just want your best effort. Right. You know, practice. That's something that we've a, a culture that we've instilled here at Res is that the expectation coming in. Is that you show up on time and that mm-hmm. you show up prepared. Yep. And if people on people and this has happened, people on our team show up either late or unprepared. We've had conversations with them. Yep. In one case, we set one guy down for about a month or two. Mm-hmm. So you, I think you have to raise the bar, raise the standard, give people an opportunity to reach for that and judge them by their effort. And if they're not making the effort, then I think you have to. You, you've got to decide what you're going to do with that. I think you can't be inconsistent when you raise a standard. I remember when I came here, um, the music was terrible. Fifteen years ago, it was just it was just awful. Um, <laughs> and and the sad thing was, there was a guy that was overseeing it who actually had some talent. Yeah. Uh, not really my style, but the guy could sing really well. Mm-hmm. He was a really good trombone player. Hmm. He understood band. When was the last time you heard about trombone in a church service? Yeah, he understood band, and he could lead a. We had a choir back in those days, and he he could lead a choir. Um, but he was so lazy. Hmm. He was lazy. And when I came here, you know, I had a little bit of a reputation that preceded me. I mean, people knew that I was musical. Mm-hmm. They knew that my wife was musical. And there was a buzz like, you know, is he going to, I mean, a buzz in a very small dwindling church, but it, it was, is he going to take over the music? Mm-hmm. Are they going to, what are they going to do? And, and, you know, people were kind of in a defensive posture that were in the music program. And so I just took the guy that was directing the choir to lunch. And the reason I did that is because he refused to hold rehearsals. Hmm. He just was like, um, he, he, he would show up on Sunday morning and pick out songs. Ugh. And then they would just do it. Yeah. Never taught anything new. Because mm-hmm. obviously you can't do that. He would just, he went back through the archives and would just pull songs out and no parts were ever taught. The band was never, there was a guy on drums who had no concept of how to play the drums and he didn't do anything about it. <laughs> I mean, he did some semblance of a 4-4 beat yeah. when Blessed Assurance was sung in, what is that? I, I think that's 6-8 or 3-4, isn't it? It's, it's either 6-8 or 9-12. Like, it's yeah. it's one of those weird ones. But um, he just he just did nothing. Um, and so he, 
we went to lunch and I just said to him, uh, here's the deal. Um, I like you. I, I said it probably a little more tactfully than this, but I, I like you. I, I know you're talented. I, I have no intentions of taking over. I want you to keep doing what you're doing, mm-hmm. but you're going to have rehearsals. Yeah. We're going to, I think I said, we're going to start having rehearsals so that we can learn new songs and we can get better at the songs that we're doing. We're going to start having those rehearsals on, I forget when I said, um, Wednesday nights maybe. And he said, ah, oh, well, I'm, I'm not doing that. I quit. And just, I, just that simple. It's just that simple. And I said, okay, thank you. And, and I literally just let him yeah. walk. And, and so what I was able to do was I went back to the choir and I was very candid with them. You know, I said, look, we, we appreciate Tim, all that he's done. I honored him in front of the people, but Tim doesn't have the capacity or the time to hold rehearsals. Mm-hmm. And we're, we feel like, rehearsals. which is a tactful way to do that. Yeah. I said, you know, rehearsals are important if we're going to, and, and this was the slogan that we used back in those days because there was no culture of excellence here yeah. whatsoever with anything. Mm-hmm. Is we, we, and we posted this all over the church. Excellence honors God and inspires people. Yep. Excellence honors God and inspires people. And we just talked about that all the time. We're going to do our best. Whatever we're mm-hmm. going to do, it's going to be pedal to the metal and we're going to do it well. Or right. we're not going to do it. Right. And go big or go home. Go big or go home. And so that choir director resigned. And then I had a guy running sound in the church. Um, I hope this doesn't scare people, but <laughs> there was a guy that ran. I think I know where you're going with th- this. There was a guy that ran sound that I'm pretty sure was in the KKK. Some yep, version you have told of, me about this guy, yeah. <laughs> some version of it, he was in it. I mean, rebel flags everywhere. Um, the first new couple that we got at Res after I came here was an African-American man and a white girl from New York with purple hair. Mm-hmm. And it just made his skin crawl. Yeah. So we put up those signs everywhere. And one of the places we put them was in the sound booth, which he ran sound. And he was a slob. He he wanted, he, did, he didn't like coming to rehearsals, but he did. He didn't want to do anything with any kind of effort. He didn't want anybody telling him anything. The mix was terrible. He didn't want anybody telling him anything. And you know, of course, you know me. I mean, I'm constantly telling, turn this up, turn this down. I'm, I'm. You, know. you, you don't care who it is. Exactly. Like, if you have a suggestion, you're going to make it. You're, you're not going to be like a douchebag about it. Yeah, but right. you're going to make the suggestion. Yeah. Can we say that on the pod, douchebag? I guess we can. Yeah. Uh, anyway, I, we, he already didn't like me that much, but I put that sign up, and he came up to me after a service, and he said. Don't you be putting signs in my sound booth. Just like that. <laughs> oh, man. And I, you know me, Cody. The, the listeners don't so much, but I, I am not, I'm a lover, not a fighter. Yeah. But there, were, there are lines that have to be drawn at times. And I said back to him, I said, look, first of all, it's not your sound booth. Mm hmm. I said, <laughs> second of all, it's not my sound booth. Yeah. I said, this, this is, something that belongs to this church, this body, this fellowship. Mm-hmm. Which ultimately belongs to Which ultimately belongs God. to the Lord. And I said, we're going to put signs up that we think best help us do what God's called us to do here. Yeah. And you can either get on board with that or not. And he left the church yeah. that night. <laughs> and, and sometimes... What and, my and, po- the li- and the listeners need to understand, like, for you to draw a line like that, yeah. like, for you to do that takes a lot more pushing than... 
for some others. Like you, you typically take a, I take a more tactful. Yeah, you know, you're not a super gr- blunt guy. No, I'm not super blunt. I don't think I'm, you know, wishy washy or anything like that. But I'm not. I'm not going to just like. You know, rip people's yeah. faces off. For the only time you have ever yelled at me was when I slid into second base in a softball <laughs> game, which was my first one coming back from a grade three ankle sprain. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You popped out of that dugout so fast, <laughs> man. It, you know, I my I guess my point is, you know, Raise the bar and give people an opportunity, but you also, when you change a culture, you have to be willing to lose people. Right. That that's. I'm not going to say go so far as to say it's inevitable, but it might be inevitable that some people are not going to go with you when you raise the standard. Some will try, uh, and I tend to make room for people who try really hard. Um, there have been a small handful of occasions where I've had to say to people who tried really hard that just couldn't cut it that, look, we, we're going to have to find something else for you to do. There's right. been a very small handful. Most people do when the bar's raised. They make the effort, and um, the team moves forward. But you have to be willing to lose people, and you, you need to maintain your – you know, maintain your integrity, be gracious, be patient with people, but don't be afraid too to say, this is where we're going and we're not looking mm-hmm. back. Yeah. Yeah. So I have heard from a, not from anybody at our church. I've never heard this, but I've heard other people talk about this at their churches where say there's not a whole lot of effort being put forward or there's just not much talent or at least cultivated talent and they keep getting the line of well it's about grace no you know you need to have grace on this person yeah i i um you know where i go yeah is i was thinking about this and i went to psalm 33 Shout for joy in the Lord, O you righteous. Praise befits the upright. Give thanks to the Lord with the lyre. Make melody to him with the harp of ten strings. Sing sing to him a new song. We usually just get to that, sing a new song. Mm -hmm. But the second half of that verse says, play skillfully on the strings with loud shouts. Exactly. (laughs) Like, just slopping together uh, a worship set or a song or a part that you spent all of 30 seconds on. Mm. Now, there are there songs that I don't really rehearse at home anymore because I know them so well that I can get here mm-hmm. and just and just play them fine. Yes, mm-hmm. but when you just slop something together, that doesn't glorify God. He literally told you <laughs> to do things skillfully, right. at least as far as you're capable. Yeah, I I don't think that. Um being having grace for people is at the expense of keeping the standard of excellence high right uh graciousness um could be you know not not browbeating people beating them down i mean when, yeah. when the bible talks about our speech being seasoned with grace or uh, to talk to one another in such way, not with corrupting talk, but mm-hmm. such that builds each other up. Um, I think that's what we're talking about when we 
to give right. grace to people. Is that that we, would be more along the lines of maybe someone's intonation is off in their guitar, and you offer to help them with that. Right. Or you know they have a noisy guitar rig. Hey, let me let me hook you up with a noise gate or something like that. Right. Right. So I think we can be gracious people. Um, and still obey Paul's command in 1 Thessalonians 5, uh, when he says, um, verse 14, he says, And we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. That's a mouthful. It is. Um, it is Paul, so we, it is Paul. You, you can expect nothing less. <laughs> but so there's three different types of people in the verse. There's the idle, or literally that word is unruly. It's mm-hmm. it's, it's someone who is they're, they're not idle because necessarily because they're lady, lazy. They're idle because they are defiant. Yeah, they're sitting back and refusing. Yeah. All right, and then you've got the faint-hearted, which those are the tired. Mm-hmm. They're, the, the they, burned out. They're burned out. They're making the effort, but and they have the ability and capacity, but they're just worn out. They're they're discouraged, mm-hmm. maybe despairing even. And then you've got the weak, which lack resource. They lack strength altogether. Yep. Uh, so, and Paul uses three different words to describe how we respond to those people. Yep. Admonish is a strong word. That's a tough love. Yeah, kind of that, that's a you know dropping the hammer a little bit. It is, but with love, right? It's not a right. It's not. It, it's any, not. It's not a you know get in line or get out. Right. It's I care about you. Therefore. Therefore. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's a tough love and um, encouragement mixed with correction. It's rebuke mixed with grace. It's mm-hmm. it's it's still giving the opportunity. But it's yep. hey, we got to step up here, yep. and then encourage the faint-hearted, which is that's coming alongside. That's that's yep. that's uh, putting an arm around a brother or sister. That's gr- taking them by the hand. That's saying, look, you can do this. Don't give up. Don't quit. Don't um, keep the faith. That's that's building someone mm-hmm. up who who can still do it. That's that's the maybe for the lack of a better metaphor the the trainer saying come on you can do this one more rep yeah it's the coach that goes out to the pitcher and says look don't get frustrated i know you just Mm -hmm. gave up a grand slam but you got Mm -hmm. this finish the game yeah Uh, and then there's the help the weak and this is Mm -hmm. where we actually put our hands with theirs and help them we we provide for them we fill in the gaps and because they're not unruly um, and they're not just faint-hearted; they lack capacity, they lack ability. But then, the blanket statement: "Be patient with them all." Yep, um, and, and that's the hardest one. <laughs> that, that's certainly the hardest one. But I think on any team, any ministry team, uh, any athletic team, any business team, mm-hmm. uh, you're going to have times where you're dealing with unruly people, faint-hearted people, and just uh, weak people. Yep. And that's just such a helpful verse to me. Uh, and I hope it would be for whoever this person is that's wanting to change the culture in terms of excellence. Yeah. Is that you may have to admonish some people. Mm-hmm. You, you may have to encourage some people. And then there's going to be people, people you have to help. It's just, yeah, you just, they're going to they're be weak. I remember when the first church I worked in, um, I had an unruly, 
Um, I had some really talented but tired people. And I had one lady on the organ that just couldn't do it. She just could not. Just literally could not. Just, I mean, she tried. She, if we pulled out the hymn book, she was fine. Mm-hmm. But anything new was just a struggle for her. Yeah. And so I just simply, um, um, I, for the new songs we were doing, um, I, I, I found a way to write a chord chart so that she could understand it. Mm-hmm. And then I found a sound on the organ that, that would work mi- with that, that mixed stuff. well. With the the more modern style, I let her go full bore. Was that with the little push buttons on the organ? Yeah, yeah. And I literally just went in there and poked until I found something. I had no (laughs) idea how to work an organ like that. So I just and and I found a sound that worked and also gave her a pretty healthy margin for error. Yeah, yeah. And she loved it. She wasn't contributing a whole lot. And Mm -hmm. on those songs, I don't even know that the audience could hear her. Yeah. But she had a blast, and that right. was helping the week. You know, right. she just couldn't do it. But I made room for her in a way that made sense without telling her you just can't you can't be a part of this mm-hmm. anymore. And some people would just go in and clean house. That's not really my personality, right? Um, but B- because we're not trying to be performance driven here, that's right. We're tra- right. We're, this is a community. These are people using their gifts and talents. These are people worshiping, and yes. I think there are ways, especially with the technology today. Yeah. You know, if multi-tracks and Ableton, we've never used that here. But if I had that back Mm -hmm. in the 90s. You would have been all over it. I'd have been all over it because I I had people who wanted to do well and were Mm -hmm. giving me an excellent effort, but they could only go so far. Right. And I could have filled in a lot of blanks with that. And they still would have had fun. Mm-hmm. And we would have all worshipped together, and it would have sounded even better than it did. So I think that's you. You can you can do that. You this ought to be a theme verse for this person. I would even go so far to say First Thessalonians five fourteen. Let that be your theme verse as you raise the raise the bar. Yeah, and you know, it was kind of funny going through that. I can think of instances, even just in the time I've been here, when all three of those have happened. Right, just within. Our band, you know, like it's it's going to happen <laughs> sooner or later with someone on your team and probably multiple people on your team experiencing all three, hopefully not all at the same time. <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. Because <laughs> then, then you might have a little bit of a mess and there might be other issues you need to take care of. Right, exactly, exactly. Oh, man, I think we covered that pretty well. You want to go on, go on to the Inquisition? Mm-hmm. Let's do it. It's time for the Inquisition, and this is the section of uh, every podcast episode where uh, listeners submit questions in our Facebook group. So join the Westminster Effects Doxology Podcast Lounge on Facebook for that. Uh, We'll start off with a fun one. Matt Paragoy asks, is it amen or amen? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, potato, potato. Yeah, I won't won't lie. Amen kind of has some pomp and circumstance, you know, you know what I mean? Yeah. I can definitely hear like a British guy saying, amen. Yeah. Whereas, I mean, 
I'm more of an amen guy myself, but that's just how I've always said it. Yeah. It's also like in songs, you notice how um, there, like there are some gospel tunes where in the song it's amen. Yeah. Like, you know, the amen. But in hymns, uh, it's usually amen. Amen. They yeah. finish the hymn with amen. So, um, how formal know. do you want to be? <laughs> how formal? It's really more formal. I, that's what I would say. Uh, okay, a little bit heavier of a question. We're, we're, I guess we're just going to alternate uh, fun and heavy questions. Justin Doherty, how should lay members address when it feels like a pastor is making changes simply to reflect uh, preferences? Um, he, he cites a previous church where he was a support staffer, and now he's, quote-unquote, the guy, you could say. Um and he gives an example of changing the 14-year-old mission statement. Um, I think this is another one of those, you know, this has come up several times recently of ask some clarifying questions. Wait, so the there's a new lead pastor? Yes. Who's come in and wants to change a 14-year-old mission statement. Right, among other things. And it looks like, at least to Justin, that this is only for preferential type of stuff. I mean, I, I've got a lot of latitude there for a new guy coming in. Yeah. Um, you know, I think, I think words matter and, mm-hmm. and I think language resonates and, you know, if I were talking with this new lead pastor, I would say to him, look, you need to, you need to really be wise and discerning about what you change in, a, in mm-hmm. an established church. Yeah. Because um, they already have a culture. They have a culture. They have an idea about what the mission is. And mm-hmm. unless you think that mission is way off, like several dozen clicks off of where you feel like the church needs to be, yeah, I would be, I would be cautious about just jerking out all those rugs from them. That's what I would right. tell him. Right. Now, if I'm talking to the staff and I'm talking to the rest of the church, mm-hmm. I'm going to say to them, you need to have a lot of latitude for a new guy to come in and be able to lead with language, with words, with phrases, with clarifying mm-hmm. statements that help him best communicate to you right. where he feels like the Lord wants to take the church. Mm-hmm. I think there's a both and meet in the middle kind of thing going that should be going on. Oh, yeah. There. And so um, I get where he's coming from, mm-hmm. but you're it's not going to do you a whole lot of good. I ask clarifying questions, yes, but it's not going to do you a whole lot of good to be resistant mm-hmm. and just hold on to sacred cows um, you know, and, and I'm assuming we're not talking about essentials here. Like right. we're not we're not talking about changing doctrinal statements. No, I, d- I didn't get that at all. We're just talking about basically internal marketing. Yeah, or maybe some external, basically inside baseball kind of stuff. Exactly. Yeah, this is how we talk about things. You know, right. when, when I, I go back to this a lot, and I hope our listeners don't um get tired of this but you know <laughs> when Dabo Sweeney took over at Clemson freaking Dabo love Dabo you got to love Dabo when he took over at Clemson there was a there's a healthy culture at Clemson right and at least i should say there was a healthy tradition there that's a better way that, to put it that that's a much better way to put it yeah there was a healthy tradition there people love their Clemson football mm-hmm. fans would pack the stadium out even during the mediocre 90s oh yeah um it was 
th- there was an established tradition there. Like even that, uh, what was that? Oh, f- five oh six against Miami, mm-hmm. where where they set the noise record and and lost and that, the game and lost the game. Yeah, but the when he came in, he didn't do away with some of the long standing traditions like Howard's Rock or running down the hill. He might like not an exaggeration, somebody may have murdered him if he got rid of the rock. Exactly. He's not <laughs> going to do that. He's not an idiot. Yeah. But you know one a couple of things he did do was one is he did away with all the uniform changes. Right. Like there, the, you you actually know what to expect. Yeah, the previous coach would would pull out, you know, the purple uniforms or the all orange uniforms at random just to try to motivate the team. Yeah. And he did away with that. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, we, I remember going to games and thinking, Oh, what uniforms are they going to wear? And I was kind of excited about that. But now we know, and I think it's healthier. Yeah. So he made those kind of changes. He, he, he changed a lot of the slogans around the program. Like, you know, the whole all in thing, the bring your own guts, bring your own guts. Best is standard. Mm hmm. Right. Yep. You know he he raised the bar without compromising traditions. Yep. That were just you know just ingrained in the culture of the school and the program. So I guess my point is you you just gotta give give some grace and leeway to a new leader. Don't be afraid to ask clarifying questions, but at the same time, uh, don't don't just resist and push back where he might just be kind of putting his spin on things because that's going to help him lead better. Yeah, I mean, I even think about our own church and how different you and Keith are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Your communication styles and personalities are entirely different. Mm-hmm. And if one of you replaced the other at a church, just as an, you know, in mm-hmm. a hypothetical, like there would have to be changes because you communicate so differently. There, yeah, absolutely. And that, that's kind of a normal thing. That's not really a bad thing in and of itself. No, it's a lot of it's about emphasis. You know, where do you yeah. where do you place the emphasis? Where do you where do you when it comes to I'm not, and I'm not talking about theology here as much as I'm talking about maybe philosophy and methodology. Mm-hmm. When you lead in those ways, sometimes you know. I, I wouldn't blame a new guy coming into res and changing our mission statement, right? Uh, to just reflect more accurately his style of leadership or the kind of emphasis he wants to place on mm-hmm. how we do things philosophically. Um, so I, that's a tough situation, but um, I would hope that there could be some really healthy conversation about that between the leadership. Oh, yeah. Uh, Phil Moses asks, can you explain what it's your breath in our lungs means? (laughs) I'm assuming he's quoting from the song Great Are You, Lord, which has kind of become a hit here. It goes over really, really, really well every time we play it. Um, I'll tell you what I think every time we sing that. Yeah. Um, Ephesians chapter 2, I was dead in my trespasses and sins. Um. But thanks be to God, he, He's made us alive together yep. with Christ. The uh, um, the whole caused us to be born again. First Peter chapter one. Yeah, um, Ezekiel thirty is it thirty six? Mm-hmm. Uh, take out the heart of stone, put in the heart of flesh, and cause you mm-hmm. to walk in my statutes. Yeah, I mean when it's it's like the old line from the Princess Bride movie. You know, um, he, he's only mostly dead. Mostly yeah, dead is slightly alive. <laughs> Unregenerate people. 
are or, not mostly dead. Right. They're all dead right. We're not. We're not semi-Pelagian. That's right. It, we are all dead spiritually, and God must do a miracle that we call rebirth mm-hmm. in order to make us alive. And so when I sing, it's your breath in my lungs, I'm thinking about... Regeneration. Regeneration. Yeah. That's exactly what I'm thinking about. I actually hadn't made that connection. I, I normally just think about like general providence and you know you could even go back to the creation narrative. Mm-hmm. You know, God breathed into the man. Sure. You know, um, I think you could also think about daily bread. I think you could think yeah, about... Yeah. I mean, I pray this over my kids before they get out of the out of the car at school every morning. Is that God give them daily bread, whatever they mm-hmm. need for today? And I'll name things. I'll say if they need wisdom, if they need kindness, if they need patience, if they need discernment, if they need the ability to focus, if they need um, forgiveness, they need to be able to give forgiveness today. Mm-hmm. Um, whatever it is that they need. To be who you've called them to be today, give that to them. Yeah, um, and I think you could think about that when you sing that line. Um, but you know, it's it, sometimes I feel like people I meet don't have enough room in their minds for poetic license. And I think that... Dang it, Phil. Yeah. I, mean, I, I, know, I know Phil. He lives in the area, yeah, so, yeah. so I can make fun of him a little well, bit. Well, it's, it's like, I think you got to, you know, the Psalms, you know, have some pretty poetical, flowery language in them at mm-hmm. times. Um, and they're also nitty gritty. I think hymns tend toward, uh, most hymns tend toward more, more concrete ideas mm-hmm. and less um, poetical or metaphorical. Sure. Um, but I, to me, as long as I can root my thinking in something that sounds a little bit strange and artistic, mm-hmm. as long as I can root my thinking about it in a text, mm-hmm. then I'm good with that in a right. scriptural truth. And, and like we've just talked about, your breath in my lungs could artistically mm-hmm. be rooted in several different concrete scriptural truths. Right. You know, and this, and and two or three people in the same congregation. Like one person, imagine one person singing that and thinking about the the grace that they need to live well in their marriage. Mm-hmm. Your breath in my lungs is that. Yeah. Or imagine the person who has come to Christ and has been taught about their salvation, and they think about, I was born again, I've been, I've been brought from death to life mm-hmm. while they sing that line. Right. I think that's beautiful. Yeah. And I think, oh, yeah. I think the, you know, I, I would like for our, our more feel-oriented believers who don't tend to think critically about lyrics to think more critically. Right. And I would like our critical thinkers... Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> to have more room for feeling and expression right. as long as we can root that in scripture. It's it's that whole spirit and truth. It's it's not a dichotomy. It's not a dichotomy. It's it's both and. It's both if, and. If you don't have both, you really don't have either. I totally agree with that. Yeah. That's well said. I, I do what I can. Uh, <laughs> uh, friend of the show, Brian Morris, continuing his streak. <laughs> Are there any healthy spiritual discipline habits that you have that may be beneficial to share with others? Now, obviously, not using this as like a cure-all, right? Sure. But just like, is there something maybe a little bit 
out of the ordinary other than just like, because like my typical morning routine is, you know, read the Bible and drink coffee, you know, Mm -hmm. that's kind of a normal thing. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, a lot of people really like to journal, et cetera. Mm -hmm. So you got anything? Um, I'm, I'm not a strange type. Like I don't have weird things, Yeah. but, um, I, I say nothing. I mean, as long as it's not sin, but, right. um, probably the thing that I do that some might consider to be most unusual is that when I am struggling, uh, in my prayer life, um, which yes, as a pastor that happens sometimes is like, I, I find myself not it maybe sometimes I feel like I'm slipping into generic praying and not as intentional or I feel like mm-hmm. there's just a, a roadblock in my in my ability to just, you know, alone by myself, either in my head or out loud, just pray. Yeah. As I will start to write prayers. There's something about mm-hmm. writing my prayers down, get opening up a, a document on my computer or actually I don't do a lot of handwriting, but sometimes I have handwritten them. Mm-hmm. More often than not, I'm typing, um, and I'll just start to type prayers. Yeah, um, just you know, think of I, what I do is I, I I really pause and think about who am I talking to? Who is it that I am right. writing to in this case? And um, spend some time in the Word. Um, and then just write what's on my heart, what's on my mind, and get really honest with God. I mean, yeah. you know, sometimes I get really honest, but that sort of helps recalibrate my praying. Um, I also try to make room for meditation. Mm-hmm. That sometimes my my morning devotion isn't read a chapter in the Bible and then God thank you for this day. I pray you bless so and so and keep so and so and go through my prayer request list. Sometimes it's just read and think. It's just read and ponder. Yeah. It's read and go, this is who God is. Basically being alone with your thoughts regarding what you just read. Trusting. Now, here's the key, I think, because I don't think Christian meditation should be navel-gazing. No. It, it, it's it's got to be done in faith. Right. Anything that's right. not done in faith is sin. So if, I, if I'm going to meditate in faith, mm-hmm. then I must have, I believe, a conscious dependence on the Holy Spirit right. to guide my right. thoughts, superintend my meditation. Um, David said, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be accepting, you know, acceptable in your sight. So I think if, if, if you do that, there should be like a little prayer that's whispered, God, I just want to sit and ponder you, and I want to ponder what I've mm-hmm. read about you and about your kingdom right now. So Holy Spirit... Address him directly in your praying. If you don't do that, that might be a topic for another day. Sure. Holy Spirit, guide my thoughts. Let the meditations mm-hmm. of my heart be acceptable. Right. Let them be right and appropriate. And then ponder, stew. You know, I mean, you can't overindulge in scriptural truth, right? Right. So, um, <laughs> so I would say those two things, meditation and writing prayers, yeah. have been helpful to me. One of the thought processes that I've kind of been working on is even if it's not like while I'm reading or whatever is, if I'm thinking through something and you know, I think way too much anyway, uh, (laughs) um, is, is relate that to the Lordship of Jesus Mm -hmm. is whether it's, uh, theology or, 
uh, a business practice or if I'm trying to think about, you know, the upcoming election, well, what does Jesus have to say about that? Because he owns the universe. <laughs> right. Uh, right, so, right. So that's kind of what I, or even like, you know, we have a baseball game later uh, this evening and, you know, how, how do I address the umpires <laughs> with, yeah. with Jesus on the throne? Yeah. Thankfully, I'm an assistant, so I'm not going to be... Yeah. interacting with them very much other than subs. So that simplifies it for me. But yeah. at yeah. the same time, um, you know, Jesus has the final say over all of that. Yeah. And uh, so that's that's kind of the thought filter that I try to use. Yeah. Sometimes I forget, and yeah. that's usually when I screw it up. <laughs> yeah, 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 totally, <laughs> totally. That's good. Awesome. Uh, well, that's all of our Inquisition questions. So I guess we'll leave it there so you can follow us and comment on Facebook and Instagram at Westminster Effects. Uh, subscribe on iTunes and Spotify. Make sure you leave a review. Make sure you share the show and you can support the show at anchor.fm. Uh, if you pledge to donate $10 a month for you, you get your choice of the Piper Drive version 2, Wycliffe Fuzz, or Pink Trouble Booster. And we did get a new supporter. Uh, make sure you email me <laughs> because it will give me your contact information and I'm not leaving you hanging. I promise. Just hit me up via the website or on Facebook or whatever and we'll get you hooked up. And if you don't want to pedal and you just want to support the show, then I won't complain about that either. Thanks for listening.